It is one of the biggest criminal investigations of an American corporation ever. We're executing a search warrant. In the past few months, hundreds of federal agents have raided at least 70 of Columbia's hospitals and offices in seven states. Rick Scott promised explosive growth to shareholders, but to insiders, Rick Scott could be ruthless. They seem to care more about profits than medicine. Good old-fashioned fraud, lying for money. Welcome back to Why Are We Like This, the only true crime podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I'm David Quinones. I'm joined, of course, as always, by Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's up, man? I'm good. You know, we're recording a late night of emergency pod. It's just 10 p.m. on a Thursday, and the boys are are back in town and potting right. away. It's, really it's, an emerg- it's an emergency podcast. 14 yeah. years ago, a, 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 a guy was elected governor, and we are just now getting around to <laughs> now he's in, in the middle of in the middle of his first senate um term we're you emergency committed the largest case medical medicare fraud in u.s history wow we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that but first he's... before he starts talking my uh other co-host <laughs> gerald doherty jerry what's up man gerald before he starts talking doherty i'm doing okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we got a little bit of an insight into what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we've prepared a comprehensive case file on maybe the highest profile criminal occupying public office in our state. Um, his role overseeing what has been called the largest Medicaid, uh, Medicare fraud in history, how he's used his vast fortune, um, ill-gotten in many ways, to buy three statewide elections despite enjoying very little popular support and his maybe just a little bit overly ambitious plan to run for president. Um, so that's what's on slate, what's on tap, what we're going to get to. Uh, but a couple quick notes first before we start. Jer- you and I were talking a moment ago before we started recording about Matt Gates completely vindicated, fully, oh yeah, fully found innocent, right? That's the thing. I remember where I was when James Comey said we're not pressing charges against Hillary Clinton for her email <laughs> server. I dropped to one knee and I put my my hand to my forehead and I said that, that I was worried that she might be guilty, but now. Now that the Department of Justice is not pressing charges, I know yeah. that she's innocent and vindicated. And yeah. I remember when I looked up, there was Glenn Greenwald staring over me to say, don't you feel better? And I say, yes, I do, Glenn. <laughs> so, and that's how he is now. And he's just being consistent. Yeah, he's this just is being consistent. Yeah. <laughs> he's challenging power by, I can't say, I don't want us to get banned. <laughs> Tom, Tom, Tomas, did you uh... Did you infect? Did you infect your browser by going to Rumble.com and watching the um, the the Glenn Greenwald interview with Matt Gates? <laughs> uh, it's just like, by the way, just a, a word jumble that I would not have put together. In a, like a, a hundred monkeys on typewriters, I couldn't have thought of that that word jumble. So I thought I was terminally online, and I am in a lot of ways. But <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing about this happening. I, Right, you will interview Matt Gates. Yes, and um, I think that it was okay. So it was under the giving Glenn the tiniest bit of grace here. It was under the um, the auspices of I guess Gates has clearly a very bad faith. Um, you know, few news cycles worth of uh, war opposition, right, Jerry? This is like the, the the he's couching this in like opposition to Ukraine war. So and like so, Glenn is saying I'm opposed to the Ukrainian war. Well, so his whole thing was. His whole thing is, oh, the um, the deep state DOJ uh, tries to conjure up like scandals on their political enemies, and that means having to go after Matt Gates for what, his relationship with his name's Joel Greenberg. Am I? The Matt Gates is the fucking people praising Andre. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, 
we, we saw the uh, i don't give a shit about the doj we saw the venmo like payments yeah. and you're fucking weirdo yeah and the text messages see if you can get um see if you can get name redacted to come hook up again next yeah. weekend you know he like, would apparently make like a game out of trying to see who could sleep with yeah. various people and off like what was it he had one woman who was called the snitch where if you <laughs> went to bed with her that was the end yeah. of the game or whatever like, like like Republican Senator Don Kennedy said, I love the dialectic, and we can have a conversation yeah. about Ukraine. But like, I really don't think the deep state conjured up uh, Matt Gates's like pedophile scandal, like what like a, almost over a year ago because of his like future opposition to the war in Ukraine. It just does not compute. Does not compute. Also, sought a pardon for it. If I remember correctly. Right. Enough that him and his dad got blackmailed by some weird fucking Tallahassee scumbag or whatever. I mean, was it the deep state that made um, Joel Greenberg like build some weird fucking mining facility in a public uh, building? Do you guys remember that? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's CIA. Maybe he was working Matt Gates to frame him, you know? That's why he's in jail. That's why the CIA had to put him in jail to make it look real. You know, I've been reading a lot of, I've been reading a lot of James Elroy lately. So like you saying that, like I kind of <laughs> was like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah. What the fuck, fuck, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. That guy makes me grumpy. Like, did you see today? They they, they put out new guidelines in the Florida State Capitol that all uh, demonstrations and events need to be approved by basically like you know like like state capital administration, and they have to abide by the the mission guidelines of the desantis administration i mean like speech codes basically like i am not being like hyperbolic but where is glenn greenwald so-called defender of libertarian defender of free speech in florida yeah i mean like you know like this guy is just a fucking loser who just loves being on tucker carlson and it's like a little attention whore I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine the like thousand. Why are we like this on debate us, you fucking coward? (laughs) There's the clip right there. Clip clip this, clip this, pack his ass. Don't be a fucking pussy. Come on, why are we like this on debate us? Don't be a fucking coward. Come. Um yes. And we need to do a case file on on Glenn Greenwald. Because uh you 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 got some shit on him, David. Yeah. There's some there's 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 a lot to talk about with Glenn. Um you know, I, I used to actually have pre tucker and pre but post snowden i used to have a pretty like kind of normal running collegial back and forth with him on twitter like i used to the, i remember it, when i was in, in college studying journalism he was like the man like he was like the guy yeah. you were aspiring to be absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. he was a you know and but i had like the additional sort of context where i kind of kept him a little bit at arm's length this isn't like one of those like trying to pretend that i knew that he was gonna you know, get get high on the Tucker Carlson supply. But like, I, I did remember his old blog post from when I was in college, way before you, Jer. And like, he had a blog that was pretty popular, but like not widely read. And this was like right. the like heyday of blogs. And he was pretty vehemently like anti-Mexican and like very anti-Latino. Oh, and like, oh, uh, wow. but he was all couched in the, the whole, we're going to lose our cultural you know integrity you know that 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 whole thing that whole like right-wing yeah. trope of like uh sounds just like white people you can't have you can't, <laughs> you can't make more you know the thing the like the 1488 fucking nazi shit where it's like you can't make more of your people with other people's people or whatever mm-hmm. like race oh, yeah, he, yeah. he had like a lot of that shit going on but it was Weird. the early aughts so people were like less tuned into it 
but I'm Puerto Rican, so I was like, that's kind of fucked up. And, yeah, he's also he was also I mean he's still he's like he's like a very anti-Muslim guy, and he was yeah. pro the war in Iraq. Yeah, like he was pro the war in terror. I mean, the, the guy sucks. Glenn, Glenn, don't be on. a coward. Come debate us. Come debate these three what guys. What are we debating him on? I don't know. We to, we, like, I guess we should say. Debate <laughs> something. Yeah. Whether or not, um, whether or not, it is good actually to burn your recycling. How about that, fellas? To just burn, burn your recycling? Yeah, because thanks to the um, Doral trash recycling um, station that we so have here stinky. in Florida, this it is what be a stinky thing to do. This is what we call a segue. Um, <laughs> We have our own airborne toxic event happening right down here, right in our own backyard. And I swear to fucking God, Tomas, I smelled it the other day before I even knew that it was fucking happening. I swear, I swear that that I smelled it over here in my part of town, which is like a solid six and a half miles from where this was. So you're closer than I am. Yeah, it was it's 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 nasty. Um, Yeah. For those of you that don't know, down here in Miami, we um have a huge like maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode a little bit more but it's news i didn't want to like go without mentioning it you know it's it's um right adjacent to this huge um i've been chatting with you guys about this this huge uh central park that they're building that's also going to be the home for like government buildings and a bunch of other municipal infrastructure right next to it literally across the street from it is a trash sorting recycling plant that has been like the point of some controversy for like a while in Doral, which is basically Miami. For those of you that don't know, it's just like, it's like so Miami that they had to call it something different and they called mm-hmm. it Doral. And um, so, yeah, it's dioxins just spewing into the air. This has been, I think they finally put it out, but it, it was going for about seven days, this fire. And um, it's kind of fucked up, man. Everybody's like spending all these, these days and weeks talking about, Oh, nobody's paying attention to East Palestine. And then we start, paying attention to east palestine and now palestine, I think it palestine is. sorry yeah. sorry east palestinian listeners yeah. and palestinian listeners too yeah. uh, palestinian listeners too um and then now we have our own little fucking thing happening down here and it's 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 maddening because it feels like we won't really pay attention to it until like there was i don't know if you guys are familiar with old smoky in coconut grove um but it was just this literally the same thing um Ooh. but they did it on purpose it was like a for 50 years and uh in in the grove and then you know we've talked about like in past episodes how like um the the predominant uh denizens of the grove for so long were black bahamian families that had helped build miami and all of a sudden a few years later in i think it was like the mid 90s 10 or 15 years after it had been closed some reporters started tracking down all the families and people that grew up there and wouldn't you know it over-index on every type of cancer that's associated with that kind of toxin. Um, so we have that to look forward to. Um, yeah, and, and actually, I want to give a little bit of context around the incinerator and Doral. Because, you know, Doral, you know, 20, 15 years ago was an industrial area of Miami, you know, far out west, swampland, where it was mostly just, you know, warehouses and places that sold tile, and like construction supplies and through, you know, like the development wars in Miami, you know, like the zoning wars, they started building like this, you know, massive, like residential gated communities, right? They started like moving people in there. It became like a hub for like the Venezuelan, you know, diaspora that was like coming here and investing. Little Caracas, yeah. Yeah, and it became a place 
of just like awful urban planning, you know, gated communities, traffic, traffic, traffic. Strip malls. Um, just like- and, and this this incinerator is something that they built, you know, sort of like, you, you know, like really bad urban planning. Uh, in, uh, they, they basically zoned the area around it and created like a bunch of like residential like housing around it mm-hmm. that was just not supposed to be around it because it's a, like an actual health hazard yeah. Uh, let alone just like a, a residential nuisance to be close to that much garbage, the smell, the toxins, blah, blah, blah. And there's like a nonprofit here called Florida Rising uh, and other community groups that have been fighting it for years now, trying to get this place shut down. But there is the reality that like, I think like 60% of, of like my, like my, uh, the, 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 the garbage of Miami-Dade County is burnt there or something like that. Yeah. Like, I, like a massive amount of our garbage is built there. So it's, it's, it's a really consequential facility. Yeah. But uh, what happened? You know what I mean? Like there was an accident. Now the place went up in smoke. You know what I mean? We don't have where to burn our garbage. And the reality is that there's a massive amounts of homes there that like some some are homeowners and some people are saying, well, why would you buy a house so close to, you know, an incinerator facility? Well, because you kind of do sometimes, right? And people don't know any better. But there's also a lot of people that rent there that have efficiencies. So really, it's just a story of, I think, the massive overdevelopment, the irresponsible, horrible urban planning. Yeah, no planning. Uh, no planning went into Thoral. Thoral is just a, a Sims program, yeah. yeah. And just the complete lack of just like our public officials, our elected officials, and just having a, a, a cohesive city that makes sense, you know? And and, and literally, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, like, it literally went up in smoke. What can you say about it? Yeah. I mean, a- another part of this is like the fact that in Miami-Dade County, we have 34 different municipalities and some of them are are pretty good sized, large size, like Doral. Um, Doral takes up a lot of space geographically and there's a lot of density there. A lot of people live there. And then some of them are fucking pointless, like um, Goulds. Why the fuck is Goulds a municipality? Why is Virginia Gardens a fucking municipality? Why is it its own Nonsense. city? Yeah. So- and- and- and you know what? What a lot of it is not all of it because some of them do make sense, right? But a lot of it is that the fact that elected officials uh, in 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 Miami Dade County, in the city of Miami, at the school board, right? They they they, they lose their like elected position because they're termed out or whatever. And when they don't have a leg up to run for Congress or they can't run for state senate or whatever, they literally create. This, oh, it's know, like a make-work program, basically. Yes, they create yeah. this like, little municipality so they could become the mayor yeah. of, you know, of ghouls. They could become the mayor. There was an effort to to incorporate this area called Biscayne Gardens in 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 the, in the northern part of Miami-Dade County, solely as a job placement program for no-name elected officials. You know what I mean? It, yeah. The grift is incredible. It's blossoming. It's blooming. All of these municipalities. They want to. And that's that's why we have this this podcast. Why are we like this? What (laughs) the fuck? How how about this? How about this, guys? A little bit of um, a little bit of uh, potpourri. Let's 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 pick because one thing that we had to talk about here was um, the the Florida Democrat Democrats. We just wanted to talk about touch on each of these a a little bit, but the the race for the chairmanship of the uh, Florida Democrats, um, a late entrant. Uh, somebody that we've mentioned on the show before, Nikki Fried, former um, 
uh, commissioner, commissioner of agriculture, right? Not secretary, mm-hmm. which is a commissioner. commissioner. And um, a failed gubernatorial candidate who made just a lot of friends during her gubernatorial, her, her primary run, just yeah. charming the pants off of everybody. For, during, you, during. you could also argue a failed commissioner of agriculture. I yeah. <laughs> what's what's her, like, her pitch, like, in the land of... I'm the only, I, Demo- I I'm the only fingers, person who's like... been elected statewide as a Democrat. So yeah. in the land of lepers, I have the most fingers, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thumb left, and the rest yeah. of the motherfuckers are stumps. So yeah. you come to me. Um, so we could talk about that, or we could also touch on this latest, uh, I believe it's HB 599. I might have to double check myself on that, which is um, a very troubling new law that is going through the ledge that has been introduced by um, Representative Andrade uh, and would um, just to summarily like describe it, like put, put our podcast out of business and would pretty much hinder any media um, uh, organization in, in Florida. It, it would broaden it's a job killing program. Literally. It's a job killing program. Killing jobs. Learn to let, code, let's, baby. Let, let's talk about the law because the election for the Florida Democrats, it's on Saturday. It's going to be, you know, outdated by then. Fuck Nikki Fried. I mean, <laughs> like, what else can be said? She's a fucking grifter. So what have you heard about this law? That, the, the, to, to give a little more context to the listeners, it's going to be, it's, it's talking about, up. Uh, so yeah, $35,000 fines for anybody that um, dares to say or suggest that somebody might be uh, racist or prejudiced or, um, you know, I'm still trying to process what this means. I think it seems like this it's- is a cool, this is a cool tax. They're trying to financially burden anyone who says something cool <laughs> for being cool. like your growth. Once again, I'm being, other words. I'm being punished for yeah. presenting new ideas. <laughs> yeah. I'm being punished for being cool. But Tomas, what have you heard about this? Has, has anybody been talking about this? Does this stand a chance of getting through the Ron DeSantis legislature? Of course it stands a chance. They have, they have super majorities. Yeah. They don't have any opposition. Do you know what Lauren book, the Senate minority leader is doing right now? Did you see the, the piece of legislation that she introduced? No. Introduced a bill that has some good things as a vegetarian and as an animal lover. I enjoy animal protection measures. So I think the bill has some good things. But what's catching attention is that she is in, wants to institute a ban on dogs sticking their head out of car windows. I mean, like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> this is literally like turning boomer memes into legislation. It's like, hello. Like- <laughs> they are like... They are like wanting to like give third degree felonies. If you have an undocumented person in your car, they, they want they, they're fucking trying to ban the fucking journalists, you know, from calling Ron DeSantis racist. And like the Senate minority leader for the Democrats is like focused on banning dogs from having a fucking good time in your car. Like what the fuck? So it's it's interior. Okay, fade in. It's the interior of the book mansion. Ron Book's cell phone rings from his daughter Lauren, telling him, "Dad, I got it. I got it in, and I think we might be able to get it passed." Ron's like, "That's sweet. That's great, sweetie. I'm really proud of you." He closes he closes his cell phone because he still has a flip phone because um, he's old, and then opens it back up and sends a text and says, "It's done." And on the other side, we see. Michael Bloomberg receiving the text message. <laughs> He's like, yes, <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> Being the most annoying fucking liberals on the planet and stopping people from doing the most uh, basic shit. We're, we're 90% there. <laughs> like, why would you give this to the RPOF, the Republican Party of Florida? 
if it's if it's 50 50 between him and trump they're going to declare that like the gingerbread man is officially like a biological man and not like any other gender but yeah you can't, you can't and that'll and that'll show me if you're eating a man cookie i didn't want to have the conversation i mean yours woke moralist uh, you're eating a boy cookie Your cookie is a boy of <laughs> the doggy man bill but like yeah right like i mean this is part of the larger effort from who i call the boy in the bubble ron DeSantis, to create you know like a little snow globe around him right where right. he can you know be a little snowflake with the little snowflakes falling around him and keep away all the mean journalists who are going to ask him mean questions right so they they've they banned him from their, his press conferences right they've they, they have these, like, you know, conservative news outlets, you know, like Florida's Voice and Florida Standards, you know, that yeah. are, like, paid for by billionaire Republican donors. <laughs> Florida politics. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, Florida politics, exactly. <laughs> and now they're just legit being like, you know what? Like, fuck you. If you call us racist, we're going to fucking find you $35,000. We don't give a shit. I don't even know how media organizations are supposed to handle this because I read the text of the law. And even if, you, if you're a, a Jim DeFeedy, or something, somebody like that, and you have somebody on who says it, you can be held responsible. You, Jim DeFeedy, and your um, your organization can your your media outlet can be held responsible too. Look, this is something we, we talked about it on the pod with with Jason last episode. This is the authoritarian playbook in in what's called an illiberal democracy, right? They are testing the institutions. They are pushing against the law and they know that they have enough judicial appointments and enough court power to like put stress into it right and try mm-hmm. to create like case law and precedent that supports you know their position so, how, how much how much do you think has to do with the idea that ron DeSantis n- n- probably never has to run in florida another for, for, for election ever again. Like this is probably, I, I mean, like the chips will fall where they may in a Republican primary for president. That's one thing. And, you know, he probably would easily or, or whoever's a Republican is probably going to easily win, win Florida in 2024. But like, it feels like a lot of this is like, uh, okay, let's, let's, let's see like what you were saying, like how far we can fucking, uh, you know, push, push this, uh, this this rocket ship we don't know actually if he's ever because you know he the guy obviously i mean he got his second term he's termed out for governor he wants to run for president hopefully he doesn't make it i think he's too extreme for the national stage but who the fuck knows i mean america sure sure has surprises in store for us right um but even if he doesn't make it you know to president he could easily run for U.S. Senate like rick scott did he could have the same trajectory the guy is only 44 years old we yeah, are stuck. We're going to be stuck with them for a long, for a fucking, long time. fucking time, unless there's some horrible scandal that you know terminates his political career. But you know, I, 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 as things stand now, we are stuck with this guy for a long time. And yeah, he he has his two terms as governor, but you could easily see him in the U.S. Senate in the future. I was going to say, or like, especially like when we were do, like doing like the Disney stuff, it was like occurring to me that like in his like. The reason he went after Disney was because they came out against like the don't say gay bill. But like 
they're not that Disney's not the enemy. Disney's the model. Like he wants to turn Florida into mega Disney where like right. you come in and it's only your fantasies and that like all your dreams come true, but all your dreams are how to make your like college educated niece and nephew as miserable as possible, basically. Right. And like to debate them into coming to visit. And right. <laughs> tricking like, them. <laughs> right. Like do like there's no larger project like the whole like marjorie taylor green like we need a national divorce like might as well have just waved the white flag like it's just like so you don't have a vision for the future right that's all you have is all you have is whining all you have is crying that you don't like the state of things and you don't have a thrust forward so it's well if you call me racist i'm taking you to court and your dog has to be in the car and (laughs) and i'm burning your recycling so that your town is stinky and i just don't want to want a national divorce i just don't like you anymore my my wife like is this it and the answer is yes It's like, wow, I can't believe you guys don't win more elections. What an attractive, attractive message you guys have to sell. What kind of fucking platform? Again, like we talk about the whole like make America Ohio, make America Florida. And I think they realize it. The funniest thing about that was like based on current trends, wouldn't Georgia in that national divorce probably go to the at least at least it would be a conversation I mean, that yeah it, that it would be in the blue t- blue it's debatable column. like it's de- at least debatable we get joint custody of georgia <laughs> we get to go to atlanta for freak Nick. yeah <laughs> all the children of divorce have to move to georgia <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot mom So guys, my family spent last night in the emergency room. Everyone is fine. It was just a strained muscle suffered by an overly ambitious nine-year-old gymnast who's not as flexible as she thinks she is. But it had been a while since I visited a hospital. And yeah, sure enough, they're even worse than they were before the pandemic. They fucking suck, man. I don't know if you guys have been to hospitals since the pandemic, but they're disasters. So hours into our visit, I began scrolling through the hospital's Google business listing seeking solidarity through one-star reviews, of which there were many. While this collection of plaintive shouts into the uncaring maw of digital space had some similarities like long wait times, insufficient staff, lack of bedside manner, the thing that really stuck out to me were the responses. I don't know if you guys know this, but Google allows companies to respond to reviews. Some companies use this space to make good faith efforts at smoothing over bad experiences. Other companies use it to further engage with the customers. Some small business tyrants use this feature to tell angry customers to go fuck themselves. And this content can actually be genuinely hilarious. But that's not what this hospital did. Rather, each review's response was a slight variation of the same canned reply. And it goes like this. Dear reviewer, we regret to read of your experience. We take all comments seriously and value your feedback. Healthcare is facing staffing challenges on a local, regional, and national level. Our care team strives to provide quality care for every child. And we thank you for your trust in us. If you'd like to communicate further, blah, blah, blah. They give the email and the phone number for the hospital. This is kind of like an indicator of not just professionalization, but corporatization of hospitals and healthcare. Um, This means that there's like a department either employed by the hospital or an agency that's contracted by them to do all this fucking PR work. Back when I was born, back in my day, it it costs an uninsured mother like my mom was about $500 to give birth in a hospital. Today, that cost exceeds $14,000, which is more than 700% increase after accounting accounting for inflation. And in Florida, it's even higher. And that got me thinking, 
it didn't have to be like this, right? Like so many other things that we always talk about, housing, air travel, education, public transportation, healthcare is one of those facets of American life where despite all of the best information that we have telling us that there are better ways to do it, we insist on turning it into an economic blood sport. We let the free market take a crack at solving the problem. And then we're shocked when instead of solving the problem, it just finds a million ways to make a few people rich. We act like this is just the way things are. And sometimes we allude to these nefarious actors like CEOs or executives, all these nameless, faceless parties. Um, I think sometimes we forget that the culpable parties have actual names. They have faces. They have lives and careers before and after gorging themselves on the healthcare system. And every once in a while, if they gorge themselves in just the right way and shake all the right hands, do all the right favors, those people can find themselves in charge of the third largest state in the country. In recent polling, there's a pair of Florida men that we talk about a lot who topped the list of potential candidates for 2024. Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, names that we talk about almost every week on this show. Um, we've gone deep on Ron in a lot of episodes. I'm sure we're going to be talking about him more in the future, but not today. Today, we're talking about a different Florida elected official who has arguably, arguably done more to shape Florida into its current decrepit composition than either of those guys. If that wasn't enough, this person is also at least partly responsible for the Milton Friedman hellscape that the modern American hospital system has become. He is Florida's current junior senator, its 45th governor, who served two terms, Rick Scott. So a couple years before I was born, there was a legal career being born at Southern Methodist University where young Richard Lynn Scott had just earned his Juris Doctors and passed the Texas Bar Exam. Scott was actually born in 1952 as Richard Lynn Myers. I don't know if you guys knew that. Rick, Rick Scott wasn't originally his name. Um, I would, Myers? Yeah, Rick Myers. So <laughs> he, was, he was born as the son of Esther and Gordon William Myers. Uh, Gordon was an abusive alcoholic and never actually met his son. Uh, after the divorce, yeah, it's kind of like sad. And All tragic. right. I mean, we like to think that he maybe knew what a piece of shit his son was going to be and peaced out, but okay. so, I, I, some babies have bad vibes. Premon- some premonition. babies have bad vibes. It's true. He was a uh, Rosemary's baby. I had a rough childhood too, man. That doesn't fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the divorce, Esther met a truck driver named Orbas George Scott, who adopted and raised Rick in North Kansas City, Missouri, along with four siblings. A working-class family, the Scots often struggled to make ends meet. Esther would work seasonal jobs, clerking at J.C. Penney's. After high school, Scott had a, Rick Scott had a brief stint at community college before enlisting in. You guys know it, right? You've you've seen the hat before. Enlisting in the Navy in 1970, yeah. uh, where he spent the vast majority of his career. No, I'm just kidding. It was only 29 months. He spent 29 months, <laughs> a little bit less than two and a half years, in the in yeah. the Navy as a radar man. Whoa. But that, that hat that had surely followed him around. <laughs> that right? hat has gotten mileage, baby. Yeah. Uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking he's a career Navy man, considering how he's turned that tattered American Eagle American Eagle style Navy hat into a political prop that he deploys at every hurricane, toxic spill, natural or man-made disaster. The hat lets us know that Daddy is here, and Daddy will fix everything because Daddy is a strong, responsible military man, not the kind of man who leaves his wife and infant son alone in a cold Missouri winter. Not that kind of daddy. Today, seeing Rick Scott on TV in his Navy hat is an easy shorthand to know that your homeowner's insurance premiums are about to go up. Um, So for his two and a half years of service, Scott received benefits from the GI Bill that allowed him to attend the University of Missouri, Kansas City, graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. 
Ironically, but not surprisingly, Senator Scott would, more than 40 years later, cast his vote against the PACT Act, which was aimed at helping veterans who actually suffered adverse health effects from their service. You know, the people who actually did stuff in the military. After law school, Scott had several business ventures, including his acquisition of a uh, failing donut shop called Flavored Made Donut. He actually turned this donut shop around, apparently. He, like, did a really good job. And now, like, uh, the the donut shop was about to go out of business. And he... See, look, we we are an objective, fair (laughs) podcast. Yeah. You know what? If you bring donuts to the people, I'm going to give you credit for that, even if it's 40 years later. He did Donut Rescue and had the decency not to put it on television. <laughs> he also cut his teeth as an attorney at a white shoe law firm in Dallas, but this was all prequel to the advent of the Rick Scott we know today, the Rickening. Um, so let's get to it. If you only know one thing about Rick Scott, it's probably the word fraud. If you know two things, it's probably fraud and invoking his Fifth Amendment right 75 times. And I these say bald. <laughs> and also bald. That would be that's that was that would be mine. <laughs> he's bald. These... And Voldemort. Yeah, he's yeah. he's got I mean like if okay. That this might be really helpful because we have listeners based on our analytics that are outside of outside of Florida and legitimately just listen to our show maybe for for for, for Jerry's pretty voice or something. But like um uh, like or just like the true crime <laughs> part of it but how would you I guys think was, des- i think it was matt <laughs> how would you guys describe like for somebody who hasn't seen this guy this isn't body shaming by the way this is more yeah. like vibe assessing because this yeah. guy is a specific kind of guy he looks like a villain in the fallout video game series like he looks weak. i'm sorry like i remember being in new york during the tea party wave and i was like i understand the whole rubio thing where he's like a young oh i'm like i'm running for student council but yeah. statewide and i'm i've got hope in my eyes and a yeah. dream in my heart yeah rubio has to... ruby has a high um i bendito co- quotient like i bendito que lindo. you know but rick scott I was, I was just like how is this guy i'm i and you look up the elections they were close elections it's Incredibly not like this close. guy was like world beating or anything like that but i was like this feels like a beatable guy. This feels like a guy who's there's something there's something who's who's getting up at six in the morning to knock on doors for, for this, guy. this guy. Yeah, I, I think like do you guys remember in Blade Two? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fuck like, yes. There was like remember there was like the like the Council of Vampires. Who yeah. Were, like in like, the circular were, chamber. Oh, our livelihood depends on our ability. Blend in an hour discretion. And then there was this like Palpatine ass like vampire who was like really old and decrepit. Like that is Rick Scott. Like Rick Scott looks like a fucking like 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 high like emperor vampire in the Blade franchise or some shit like that. Like that's his vibe. Yeah. Very fucked vibes. Very, very yeah, fucked. Deeply so. fucked vibes. Um these are areas of Rick's bio where I feel like Everyone superficially mentions them. Like, we mention how fucked up he kind of appears to be. We talk about the fraud. We talk about the invoking the uh, the Fifth Amendment 75 times. But yeah, And his company was fined $1.7 billion. For exactly. People rarely get deep on this. So I wanted to go deep and actually tell that story of how that happened because it usually never gets talked about in any more than, like, 280 characters. Um, on nearly every social media post made by Senator Scott or his team, 
on almost every social media post that just mentions him, you're going to find some version in the responses of the claim that Rick Scott oversaw the largest Medicaid, uh, Medicare fraud in the history of Medicare and or that Rick Scott pleaded the fifth 75 times while being deposed regarding that fraud. So let's get the PolitiFact bullshit out of the way right now. Both of these things are true. It's also true that the hospital that com- uh, the hospital company Scott ran, which was called Columbia HCA, paid, as Tomas said, a $1.7 billion penalty for fraud. That was actually several different penalties combined into one. Also true, Scott himself has, to this day, evaded any kind of consequence for this scandal. I will say, David, he, he did have, he did resign as an executive. Yeah, they forced him. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but when when we also get into the sweetheart stock deal that he got on the way out the door, I don't know if you could really call that a penalty. The guy yeah. walked away with a net worth of almost $300 million in like yeah. 1995 money. So I don't know. You know what? Penalize me that way. I'd be glad, yeah. to, I'll be glad to go down like that. Uh, a lot of Democrats have tried to re- derail his, uh, his campaigns um, by talking about this stuff. And they've had about as much effect as all the reply guys in his mention. This motherfucker is the definition of Teflon when it comes to this particular issue. But maybe it's all overblown. What exactly could Columbia HCA have done that was so bad? Um, I don't know if you guys remember a minor Twitter figure, Kurt Eichenwald. Did you guys ever follow Kurt Eichenwald on Twitter? Uh, I only know of the um, embarrassments. Yes, the embarrassments. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you know one thing about Kurt Eichenwald, it's hentai tentacle sex. Yeah, it's the embarrassments, yes. (laughs) Before all of that, way back in the 90s, Kurt Kurt was actually a beat reporter for the New York Times. um, And he covered fraud and um, mergers and acquisitions. So this is from a Kurt Eichenwald story back in March 1997. Federal investigators widened their search of medical offices around El Paso, Texas on Thursday, seizing documents from doctors affiliated with the local hospitals that are operated by Columbia HCA Health Corp, uh, Healthcare Corp, people familiar with the situation said. The action came in the second day of the government search, which was now said to be completed. On Wednesday, investigators from the FBI, the IRS, and the Department of Health and Human Services served search warrants on a series of facilities in El Paso, as well as on dozens of doctors. Investigators sought a broad range of documents, including financial, billing, and medical records. People have seen the search warrants said. Uh, Moreover, the warrants were served on Columbia's two local hospitals, as well as on a number of related sites, including a wound care center, behavioral life center, and other medical operations. So, later on we would find out what the feds were actually looking for, right? It is one of the biggest criminal investigations of an American corporation ever. We're executing a search warrant. In the past few months, hundreds of federal agents have raided at least 70 of Columbia's hospitals and offices in seven states. Rick Scott promised explosive growth to shareholders, but to insiders, Rick Scott could be ruthless. They seem to care more about profits than medicine. Good old-fashioned fraud, lying for money. Over the last decade, Columbia has made its stockholders and executives rich. The company um, cheated the Medicare program and they knew what they were doing. Regularly filing false Medicare reports and overcharging the government. Charging the government for everything from Kentucky Derby tickets to country club memberships. False claims submitted to the government year after year over the course of hundreds of hospitals. Their promotions depended on it. Their bonuses depended on it. For-profit hospital chain HCA, formerly called Columbia HCA, will plead guilty to criminal conduct. 
$745 million to settle charges of fraud in Medicare billing. Rick Scott and five other top corporate executives have resigned, and federal investigators told ABC News today that Scott is now considered a prime target of the investigation. Scott, If you rewind to 1988, Scott and the Dallas area financier Richard Rainwater um, who was a big, uh, big George W. Bush guy. I don't know if you guys, this is way before you guys' time, but um, he was like a, one of the early people to put money behind W. Uh, they both combined to put a quarter million, this guy, Richard Rainwater and, and Rick Scott, they put their money together, quarter million dollars towards funding this new company, Columbia Hospital Corporation. Um, it's kind of funny because Rick Scott, I don't know if you guys knew this, he was also a minority owner of the uh, Texas Rangers at the same time that W was an owner oh. of the Rangers, um, which I did not know until I was researching for this episode. I did so not know either. They borrowed more than $60 million, um, and using that money, they acquired two struggling hospitals in El Paso, got a third one shut down. Um, Columbia would quickly grow to include eight hospitals, mostly across Naples down here in Florida and other parts of southwest Florida. This is a little bit like biz dev speaky, so bear with me, but Rick Scott founded a company in 1987 that was called HCA Acquisition Company, and that goal of that company was right in the name. They wanted to acquire an existing company called Hospital Corporation of America, HCA. And that is a Nashville-based hospital and healthcare facilities company that dated back to 1968 and is actually still in business today. So it survived all of this shit and um, in some iteration, and it's currently still in business. Scott took some of his partners and tried to acquire HCA in 87, but that offer was declined. And then in 94, the business was revived when, when Columbia Hospital Corporation merged with HCA. And then, of course, who would they name to be the CEO of that company? Our buddy. Uh, Rich Myers, I mean Rich Scott, uh, Rick Scott. So, um, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy didn't want to give me his name <laughs> for uh, for the um, this company that came out of that acquisition was called by the New York Times the single largest for-profit healthcare company in the country at the time. Uh, so, for-profit healthcare had gotten into Rick's blood, and it would continue to run its course all the way through his political career. Columbia HCA racked up cash. Scott's personal net worth continued to, to soar. Uh, then came the trouble. The Times broke the news of the federal investigation in March 1997. A week after being raided, Scott signed his last quarterly earnings report as CEO, which Tomas uh, alluded to a moment ago. He was forced out. Um, slowly, the news began to trickle out that Columbia HCA had not mistakenly, but systematically overbilled its Medicare patients. Uh, and taking advantage of Medicare, the program, to enrich itself. The resulting fines, adding up to $1.7 billion, represent still the largest fraud of its kind to this day, um, 25 years later, 26 years later. Scott was pressured to resign. Um, by the way, his replacement uh, his, was his former partner, uh, Thomas Frist Jr., who would go on to become the richest man in Tennessee, who he's worth... He's got to be like 200 years old now. He's worth an estimated $20 billion. So um, he also holds this guy Frist. I thought he was interesting. I went down a little rabbit hole with him. He holds the record for the, he conducted the biggest leveraged buyout of all time and the biggest private equity-led IPO of all time. So a real piece of shit. Um, $20 billion? $20 billion, yeah. Yeah, that's not just the richest men in Tennessee. That's, that's, that's one of the richest men in America. Yeah, yeah. He's like... A, a big deal and he made 
he made the money from a lot of places, but the vast majority of it was being CEO of HCA um, going forward after post Rick Scott. Because that for-profit shit, I don't know if you guys paid attention over the intervening 25 years, but for-profit healthcare, that was a good business. It ended up being a really good business to be in. <laughs> a great way to make a lot of fucking money. Um, so in, in the intervening years, Scott has been famously tight-lipped about this entire chapter of his professional career. Because, again, like, why Mostly would... Mostly because Florida Democrats have not been... Uh, exactly. He, holding like, his feet to the fire. As an attack point for some fucking reason. Yeah. He's never actually been held account to account for it. Um, and in a 2010 gubernatorial debate, Scott said of the historic fraud... And guys, let me say, from all of the research that I could that I did, um, and I like went into LexisNexis, I, this wasn't just some bullshit Google. I was, like, really reading and watching old... The, 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 the deposition I watched was like not on YouTube. I had to like go into like um, like like uh, uh, circuit court archives and shit like that. It, I could not find this guy being made to talk about this fraud or commenting on this fraud other than this one time. HCA, Columbia sure. HCA question, $1.7 billion of fines. Either you knew or you were uh, too right. distant as a manager. How are you, how are you qualified to be governor? Sure. Well, we built a great company. I started with my life savings, my wife and my life savings of $125,000. Over nine years, we took the company up to 340 We've heard that, though. You've said okay. that already. So explain to me how it went sure. so wrong. Well, you know, one thing you learned, what I focused on was I focused my efforts on making sure patients were taken care of. I reduced the cost of health care, outcomes were better, patient satisfaction. I clearly could have done a better job of hiring more internal and external auditors to have done a better job in making sure the company completely cl uh, comply with the Medicare regs. Um, and Tomas, you've actually been at some of these debates and seen some, some of them. Maybe you can remember a time and I just couldn't find it. But this is the only thing I could find on him on record ever talking about this $1.7 billion um, uh, fraud that he, was, that he oversaw. And it was him standing on stage um, right next to Alex Sink. That's the only thing that this guy has ever had to say after being governor of Florida for eight years, for being a senator for the last four years and for the next two. And that's kind of where we come full circle. Because if you look at, I mean, we could talk about all of the various scandals, the way that he's, um, you know, fucked up our, our unemployment system to the point where, uh, you know, we don't even know how many people are actually unemployed in the state at any given time because the metric has been gamed by the system that he created and Tomas, you could probably talk more about that. And, uh, but like, I think to me, at least when I look at Rick Scott, he normalized taking for-profit healthcare and just making it a thing where like all bets are off. I can fuck you over and you're fucked and that's that. And there's no recourse. There's no way to get around it. And yeah, there are going to be people who walk around with a billion dollars of money that they got by fucking you over. And there's not shit you can do about it. Do you guys remember the other thing I wanted to bring up as we sort of talk to his, talk about his like run for governor and and how he um, how he positioned himself and, and kind of financed his own campaign to the tune of like tens of millions of dollars. Um, because like, like, like Jer, like Jer had talked about a moment ago, there aren't people out there knocking on doors for fucking Rick Scott. He is yeah. the least inspiring, even among all these ghouls, he's like the least inspiring, engaging, interesting. He is, has to self fund all this stuff because who the fuck is going to go out there and put an effort forth for this guy? Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting because 
Rick Scott also has always had an adversarial relationship to the Republican Party of Florida apparatus. Uh, and he's always ran as an outsider, right? So That's really interesting. You know, That's true, yeah. He literally has built his own like parallel machinery, right? Like he has his own consultants, he has his own field operation, he has his own people, and he operates like completely outside of the Republican Party of Florida. And it, it, it actually, you know, it showed when he governed because unlike DeSantis, who, you know, has a really cozy relationship with the, with, the, with the Republicans in the legislature and the RPOF, and they give him everything he wants, they have like a symbiotic relationship. Rick Scott had a very actually adversarial relationship with the, uh, with the Florida legislature. And a lot of his projects didn't go through. He actually yeah. vetoed projects. So there was a lot of infighting in there. And even, you know, to this day, right? I mean, Rick Scott is somebody that doesn't get along with Ron DeSantis, right? They butted heads a bunch of times. In fact, today, even, Ron DeSantis uh, uh, proposed stripping in-state tuition for undocumented students, which is yep. basically the ability for them to pay as a U.S. citizen student to go to the university instead of as a foreign student, right? Which is much more expensive. And Rick Scott, who actually signed in-state tuition in 2014, that was a good thing he did, came out and said, I think this is wrong. I think we shouldn't do this. Yeah. You know, and obviously he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing right. it to take a shot at Ron DeSantis. So, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because he truly does have an apparatus that he's funded through this, like, dirty blood money. Yeah, he's a CEO. Then, Sorry, go ahead, Jared. He's yeah. I was to your earlier point, Tomas, about the opposition fumbling the bag uh, as if it's their job, the only other tidbit of news I remember from being up in New York about Rick Scott was when they were doing um, the ACA, um, that he was adamant that the state was going to be refusing um, any money from the federal government to pay for Medicaid expansion, and especially since the site, uh, the marketplace was going live in 2014. I remember... I mean, my dumb ass thinking like, oh, this is this is going to activate a lot of people who could benefit from these programs if you just just turn wait till away they see free money. Just I mean, wait till they on. see the spreadsheets. Just I mean, wait till they is, see the bronze like, plans. I was like, this is like a gimme for the Florida Democratic Party. And, <laughs> and to this day, we haven't had gotten Medicaid expansion in yeah. the state of Florida. It's something that to this day, the Florida Democrats have not capitalized on. <laughs> well, one of the things that you said, Tomas, is funny because. Two things I came across um, with respect to uh, Rick Scott's sort of oppositional um, posture with the with the party and with the more like established pieces of the party, that when uh, in 2018 Ron DeSantis took over for him, it, apparently what I read in this researching that I didn't know is that the DeSantis team treated the transition almost as if it was a different party that they were taking over for. That they cleaned house, they got rid of positions that you normally would keep as holdovers like very minor administrative or and there was a lot of bad blood and like toxicity between this and there, it continues to this day because the other thing that i read is that there is no formal communication between senator um rick scott and the governor's office there's like yeah. they will communicate when they need to but there isn't that coordination that there normally would be um between two between you know a, a, a senator and a governor of the same party in the same state yeah, you know, and Rick Scott, I mean, he's somebody, he's 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 aligned with the Trump wing, right? He's a Trump guy. Yeah. 
um, and in, in, and the person who ran Ron DeSantis's uh, 2018 campaign, who really actually turned around because that campaign was a mess until this person came in, was an op- is an operative, uh, a GOP operative called Susie Wiles, who was involved with the Trump campaign and a bunch of different RPOF campaigns. That's Republican Party of Florida. I want to reiterate that in the state. And, uh, and she, you know, and she's close to the, like, you know, the, the Trump wing, the Rick Scotts. And after uh, the, the Ron DeSantis election, she was kind of purged out of, you know, like the Florida operation hmm. because of her closeness, again, with Trump and Rick Scott and that whole wing of the party. And she's, you know, she's been protected and sort of brought back, you know, into 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 the fold by by the Trump machine. But uh, but yeah, she's someone that got perched. Right. So there's there's like real bad blood between uh, Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis, and you know, as the 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 battle right for the GOP uh, uh, presidential nomination heats up, right, and we're and we see Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump actually go head to head. If if they do indeed run against each other, you're gonna see Rick Scott taking more shots because he's gonna, you know, be basically be used as a proxy, you know, to attack DeSantis, and that's why. You know, for for in the more astute or more in the weeds political observers that listen to this, Rick Scott has been taking shots at Mitch McConnell pretty much ever since he became a U.S. senator. Yep. In fact, he ran against them. You know, for 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 U.S. Senate leader. You know, and and his position as the National Republican Senatorial Committee Chair. You know, he's basically used it as as a as a you know platform to undermine Mitch McConnell. And that's basically, again, he's doing that as a proxy for Donald Trump, who hates Mitch McConnell, right? So one thing, one thing I didn't have time to get into um, in, in my research, and maybe you two just know it off the dome, but like, I, I, as NRSC chair, like he he lost a bunch of money, didn't he? That was like his most recent controversy. Is that he like did he lose yeah. the money in terms of like spending it badly, or did it just go bye bye Pentagon style? In fact, uh, it, he managed money so poorly that the Senate Leadership Fund, which is a PAC uh, associated with Mitch McConnell, had to inject twenty eight million dollars uh, into the state of Ohio uh, on behalf of JD Vance, um, which they were expecting uh, JD uh, and the NRSC uh, to be able to not coast to victory, but be able to handle their own stuff and. McConnell saw, I guess, the lay of the land and said, if JD's going to put up the numbers we want, it's going to take a massive infusion of cash. Oh, does and- this have does this have anything to do with when like Peter Thiel was like castigating Mitch McConnell about like fucking up left and right? Was because was that his money that he had to put in there? Thiel basically, Thiel was trying to get behind um, uh, JD Blake Master. I mean, he had like like. Senate candidates that yeah, the mutant caucus. Yeah. Yes, basically, yes. The the you know the freaks. Um, and, you know, it wasn't just like the misappropriation of of money, right, and the embezzlement of money. It's just also the fact that like people were complaining that like the money that was like being spent, like transparently, was being spent stupidly, right? Yeah. Like Rick Scott spent a lot of money last cycle. On himself, right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically promoting himself, running digital and TV ads of himself, you know, adv- uh, uh, promoting his stupid, like, you know, Rescue America plan or whatever it's fucking called that, you know, calls for sunsetting Medicare and Social Security every five years, putting it in the chopping block, all federal programs, which is insane and stupid in its yeah. own right. But people were saying, you know, like Republicans who, you know, like 
it's a good point. They're saying, why is Rick Scott spending ads on himself, promoting not, himself, when he's, he's not, not up for running? He's not up for election. And we have a very competitive, you know what I mean, field of candidates that are under threat. Joining me now is the man in charge trying to win back the Senate for Republicans. Florida Senator Rick Scott is the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Good to see you in the studio. I like the words win. We yeah. get a majority. Well, we'll see what happens on, on Tuesday night. First off, what I try to do when I got this job uh, a couple of years ago is make sure we work with you know, the NRCC, the House, and with the RNC, because everybody working together, we're doing better. Right now, I think we're at 52 plus. Um, Mehmet's going to win. Herschel's going to win. Adam Laxalt's going to win. I think we have a real good shot out in Arizona, real good shot in New Hampshire. We're basically tied in Washington. So it, it just depends on who's, you know, who votes. So you're predicting control? Absolutely. We're going to get a or whenever we get the results of Pennsylvania. God knows when that's going to be. I know. But I, we're, I, I, I think we're going to get 52 plus. Um, I mean, early voting's heading our way. Yep. And under his tenure, the reality is that in a map that was very unfavorable to Democrats yeah. in a midterm election of the incumbent party, Democrats not only retained the Senate. Picked they, up seats. Yeah, they yep. picked yeah. up seats. When he spent money, they spent uh, $40 million um, by July. He was spent blowing through money in the summertime and so that there would be none left in the fall. Um, to put that in perspective, the Democratic Senate committee had spent $2 million by July because they were going to make their big push closer to the election when people would be paying attention. Yeah. The, um... and, and one thing that Scott loves to talk about, and he spent ad money on, on this, but he does it every single cycle, he loves to talk about term limits. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like a very populist thing, right? Like right. Washington It's an every man thing. Yeah. You know? Sticking it to the to yeah. sticking well, it to the to the dirty uh, politicians. Yeah. That to me is a very it's a dumb guy thing, though, because it's like you're going to make the puppet masters play with new puppets every four to eight years or whatever it is. Like they I mean, have look, to go out and find a new one. I, I you know, we don't have to get on a debate about term limits or now. But my point is like, bro, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you just you were just governor of Florida right. twice. And then you went ahead to, to the Senate. Yeah. Like you, you, you love sucking at the tit of the taxpayer. You know like the, um, the, the, the thing that you both touched on that is a um, defining characteristic of Rick Scott's public service for the last 12 years is harebrained um, economic plans. And I, I think if you go back, you can even look at, I don't know how many, if either of you or any of you out there remember um, the 777 plan. Do you guys remember this from his very no. first run? So it was his promise that, uh, quote, in total, Florida's economy. I remember the 999, but I think that was Herman. That Kane. was Herman Kane. That was, that okay. was a baller ass plan. Um, no, this was the 777. Uh, in total, Florida's economy will gain an additional 700,000 jobs. This is, you know, what he's saying will happen. Mm -hmm. This is what 2010 Rick Scott is saying will happen if you elect him governor. Um, 74 billion in state GDP. 41 billion in higher personal income, 1 billion in uh, state uh, total state tax revenues as direct result of increased economic growth. Um, the sevens are, you gotta like really squint to be able to see the sevens. Um, mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I'm looking at the PolitiFact article on this. Um, uh -oh. the, I, I don't recommend anybody do that. But um, I'm looking at the PolitiFact in a sort of the PolitiFact, you know, promises kept meter. Uh, they're saying that he kept this promise. And I'm, I'm doing it in kind of a meta way because it's really helpful to realize that these fact-checking websites are bullshit when you realize 
PolitiFact, when they decided to say that he kept that promise, they never went back and reappraised it when we all learned at the beginning of COVID that, and I alluded to this a little bit ago, we in Florida have no fucking idea of how many people are actually unemployed or how many jobs are actually being created because the state unemployment system is so fucked and the state unemployment system that specifically Governor Scott created, I think, Tomas, what was it, 2013 or something like that? It was, he made it and he created, he like built the new, the website that for some fucking reason has bankers hours, like a website is only open from nine to five. Um, and so many people would go to this website and continue to go to this website and realize like it's impossible for me to fucking sign up for, um, you, you, to, to get my unemployment benefits that I paid into, that I deserve. That I have that I have invested in, um, and so to say that he delivered seven hundred thousand jobs, you just pull any number out of your ass. Like who fucking cares? This is back like the the one thing that he started that I don't think anybody had done before was all of these little junket trips to hinterlands in across Florida where he would be announcing you know twenty five new positions at a Chick fil A or some shit like that. And Ron DeSantis has like completely weaponized those, that that whole thing now. And I, I just think it's like, that's the 777 plan is just one example of it. But this more recent, um, I don't even know, is there an official title for this bullshit plan that he has where he wants to make the 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 the, uh, the Senate or the, I'm sorry, Congress re-up every piece of legislation every six years? Res- rescue it's, America. Is the 12-point plan to rescue America? Thank God. Thank God someone's going to do it. Yeah. Rescue, yeah. <laughs> rescue fucking America. Um so I don't know, T- Tomas. Do you have memories of 2018? Like I mean, that was one of the most ridiculous um, elections that I've ever followed. When he beat barely sentient, barely awake Bill Nelson, um, Bill Nelson, who didn't bother running for Senate in fucking Florida, didn't bother to make a a, sp- a website in Spanish or pr- do fucking anything in Spanish. I remember. Hey, I say we send Nelson back into space. That's just me. <laughs> well, they kind of did. He, he, they kind of did. Yeah, he's like running NASA, right, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't wait, hang on. But isn't NASA these days just like a like a like one room where they just write checks to SpaceX? Like that's all they yeah, do. Yeah, NASA got cut by the private sector. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck, man? That's fucked. They have up. a giant whiteboard with just the word Mars written on it, and every day someone circles it and then points at it, and then everyone nods and gets to their computer. We we <laughs> used to tragically blow things up in this country. What happened? Like, I know. Now we do it on purpose. <laughs> um, I don't know, T. Do you remember 2018 and the whole like what was what was going on behind the scenes? Whatever you can remember or share, if you were that involved, like with the flailing bill nelson campaign and and like the campaign the the election that ended up giving us six more years of rick scott i mean you know i i've I've never worked for a democratic party campaign except for the bernie sanders campaign and you could argue he's a you know independent senator um but um you know i've worked uh for nonprofits on the what's called the independent expenditure side which is basically like you know like political committees that support candidates and um, I was working for a, a nonprofit uh, that was supporting the Andrew Gillum, uh, Bill Nelson, uh, you know, top of ticket and the down ballot Democratic candidates. And uh, Bill Nelson lost by about 10,000 votes uh, in a very, very close election that because it was less than half of a percentage point, 
uh, it went to a not just a machine uh, vote recount, but a, a, a hand ballot vote recount, right? Right. Yeah. And um, you know, Rick Scott, I remember, was basically to through a fucking temper tantrum, was accusing Democrats of trying to like steal the election, trying to find uh, votes, you know, and trying to manufacture votes. You know, basically, like it was like the the the, the Trump of 2020 but in 2018 but but he won right, right. and making up a 10,000 vote deficit even though it's close like very difficult to do so right yeah but um yeah man it was a it was a really really wild time uh i just remember hearing story after story like you would get dispatches from random places like i mean i brought it up on this podcast before but like then governor scott letting people in heavily conservative Bay County vote via email. And I mean, like they were hit by a hurricane, but But it doesn't matter. Like that's not allowed. Yeah. Imagine, imagine doing that in like, if, what if that was Broward Broward County? Yeah. Like, and and then we, that 2018 was also the year of the, um, was also the year of the much consternation over whether or not you could open early voting sites on Miami-Dade College campus and a bunch of other places across the state, which would, you know, obviously empower uh, blue turnout, presumably, you know. And there, there was a bunch of little things like that. And it, it just... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story. I went to, we got reports of uh, basically vote-by-mail ballots that were sitting at a U.S. Postal Service um you know like processing center in like uh Okacho- in, in, in uh in, opalaka right yep in the yep, opalaka, i remember in, this in, in the postal processing center and i went there actually with andrea mercado who's uh, uh the executive director of an organization called florida rising and you know we basically went there we like demanded to see what what was going on we were there we talked to a few people and it turned out that like yeah they were like they had like a couple of boxes yeah. Of just like like vote by mail ballots that like you know just never made it and was it and that was sent and that were sent before the election right, right. they were, like, they were oh. sent in time yeah yeah so just shit like that happened a lot right am i crazy or did i hallucinate also another story in that year where yeah, that might have been gillum there was there was like a weird page pagination error on the broward on some of the Broward ballots where it was like, it was incredibly easy to miss the election, to, to miss that one, that one selection basically. And, uh, and I, this might've been Gillum DeSantis, but it, I, I think it was, I think it was Nelson Scott. I have to look it back up, but there was another irregularity where it was like, you know, here's the, it, it, whatever, what, whatever part of Broward got that ballot, basically uh, there was something like 25,000, voters who just didn't vote for that race like and it was because very clearly it was kind of shoved off it was one of those long columns that you didn't know where it ended and where it began if memory serves am i crazy or do you do you guys remember anything like that like that yeah was... there was there was bad ballot design that played into it yeah and then a bunch of people didn't even cast a vote for that particular race so i think i feel like Jerry, you're sort of our national politics correspondent. <laughs> what, <Okay>. do, you, <laughs> do you like... Just like in real life, I find out what my job is the day of. Would you be <laughs> concerned... Would you be concerned if you were helping Rick Scott 
for his 2024 election, whether he runs for president or whether he runs for senator or whether he pulls a Rubio in 20-whatever-16 and does both. Um, would you be concerned that this is the first time Rick Scott, he of the barely inching by every single time he wins on the strength of his own millions and millions of dollars, would you be concerned mm-hmm. that this is the first non-midterm election he's ever run in his life? You know, um, if he runs for Senate, I think he'll be fine um, because I because mean, of we'll Florida. Touch <laughs> we'll touch on it in a later episode, but we had, you know, like moths to a flame, uh, hundreds of thousands of freedom freaks uh, basically remake the state in the span of three years. Um, and uh, so I think he's firmly ensconced in power uh, for as long as he wants it in the Senate. Should he raise his sights and see the whirring uh, Trump buzzsaw and say, I think I'd like to walk into that today um, and decide he has uh, now national ambitions and is going to have to get through a, uh, a, you know, a, a cafeteria fight uh, with someone on sheer force of personality? I could not tell you. Um, if Rick Scott has ever said a single sentence that wasn't written out for him beforehand. And so I do not think that he is going to be able to get by on the cut of his jib. Uh, he seems jibless to me. Yeah. So I think if he sticks to the Senate, he's got a nice, it's a, hey, it's a nice cushy job. You just do what you You told. can do it. Look at, look at, Bar- look at Barbara. What's it? What, what she, you can do it for a hundred years. You don't, you don't go to the Mediterranean, uh, three months before, you know, you're going to have the most winnable midterm in generations and then completely miss the ball. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just don't do that. You do, you know, keep your head down and hustle. Oh, National I forgot about that. Man. The yacht, right, right in Oh, how could I forget the yacht? The yeah. yacht, of course. And, and listen, <laughs> he's got an anniversary. I understand that. If, you know, you're married, you say, listen, honey, uh, I'm responsible for trying to uh, rescue America. Uh, do you want to go to Greece? Um, and you just do that. Sometimes it's just you follow your heart. And it's nice to see him, you know, living in the moment and living his truth and living his dream. However... If you're going to run for president, you're going to have to be able to call people a lot of names. You're going to have to be able to go to Rick Scott and say, uh, what is it, Meatball Ron? You're going to have yeah. to top Meatball Ron. You're going to have to come up with your own thing that's better than Meatball Ron. I just don't meatball see that. Really good. You know? is, yeah. there, is there a path for somebody who cuts this non-controversial, like whatever, relatively non-controversial, um, sort of throwback conservative John no, Boehner, no. George no. W. Bush no. style guy no. to no. come in and be like, "Hey, I'm the I'm the grown up here," you know. It, the the appeal to that is firmly uh, from the press, the people who like Biden because he makes the news not stressful to write. He yeah. they don't have to look at Twitter and freak out every time they like have to cover the Biden administration. Like this whole thing with no, like how the head. No, there's a constituency of voters that want like boring, like norms respecting like politics. They will vote for Biden. Yeah. They're not. Yes. They're not going to vote for Nikki Haley. They're not going to vote for Mike Pompeo or Mike Pence or whoever else. They like Trump because he's Trump. Yeah. If he if he switched his positions on healthcare to those of Bernie Sanders, they would also switch their positions on healthcare to that of Bernie Sanders this because what, he's yeah. doing it. Which and all that matters is what he's doing. 
I read this report that like apparently Trump has gone like woke and like won't call meatball Ron meatball Ron because it's like offensive to Italians. And true. See, I don't, so I don't, I don't think that that's what's going on. I read the same thing that you read. And so disappointed. I hope it's not. I don't think that that's what's going on. I think he's doing something that is actually a a a a, a twelve D chess like brain master galaxy. Um, he's neg. He's negging. He's reinforcing the thing. Yes. By saying, like, he won't do by it. saying I refuse to say this thing and <laughs> saying the say thing and, f- and the last thing I want you to do is get in meatball I won't say it I'm not gonna but, say it but don't get it. in his replies folks do not get in those replies we've, I don't want to see it I would be very upset if I saw it folks. we've most recently seen this strategy done to pretty solid effect by Kanye last year when yeah. he was like I'm not gonna say who my doctor was right but then he said, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, "Okay, so let's let's play a game. Let's play a little game. What would be Trump's nickname for Rick Scott if he ran? Rick Skull. I think you would call him Rick Skull. No, no, that's not good. That's not good enough. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I just want to call him Rick I, Skull. I, mean, I think it'd be like like Creepy Scott or something. Creepy yeah. Rick. Creepy. Yeah, Creepy Rick Scott." Creepy Scott, creepy Rick. Yeah. No, wait. He might just pull. He might just pull like a variation of the Tim Apple move and call and start calling him Scott Rick. Just like flipping his name uh, around, like or Rick 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 Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would backfire on him because that's a fucking yeah. cool name, Rick Florida. We've got dope. we've got uh, Hissy Rick is a little snake from Florida. We love our snakes in Florida, folks. We love, the, we love the snakes. Yeah. Literally. Hissy Rick is throwing a hissy fit over Social Security and Medicare at Biden's State of the Union. He's he's saying he wants to cut it, folks. I remember I said it, I said it, but I also said that's not what I said. And that's what you got to do is say it and then say I didn't say that. But that's hissy not Rick, Hissy Rick, he just says, oh, oh no, not me. I'm not gonna. No, no, I I have a special provision. that's not no Social Security. No Medicare, no Navy, no military, no veterans benefits. And by the by, the time he's done, he's not going to have a plan left, folks. He's not going to have anything <laughs> left. Not a plan. He's got so many exceptions to the plan. You basically don't have a plan. Why is Hissy Rick even coming in here with any plan at all? Hey, Rick, I I rescued America <laughs> once already. I did it. It's it's done. We rescued it. We need to incorporate that into the name of the episode, Hissy Rick. Listen, Hissy Rick's gonna slither all the way back to the Mediterranean. What um? We love our Florida snakes. (laughs) What are the What are the odds, though, knowing that Donald Trump has already won the presidency once with a like corpse adjacent translucent white dude next to him as vice president? Mm -hmm. What are the odds that he does that again? Because in the one, yeah. That I mean, they've been pretty tight. I mean, they've they've. they've... Yeah, I think he knows that the, that Rick's got his dead weight politically at the national level. I yeah. think he knows that he picked Mike Pence because he knew the evangelicals did not yeah, trust yeah, exactly. this like Queenie Manhattan guy to be a church going. <laughs> you know, got like you know they, they were like this is guy's not yeah. cut from our cloth. And then how now, funny that they stuck with him. Right. Well, that's the thing. He gave them their judges, and that's all they wanted was their judges. Now. Not only is, are they cut from his cloth, he is the cloth. So right. it's almost like I might as well not even have a vice president. <laughs> I might as well just pick myself. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. The ultimate yes. move that, that 
Trump can do to cock Ron is to pick Janet Nunes. Janet Nunes, yeah. Yeah. The lieutenant governor currently, yeah. And what is she going to do? Say no? Like, I mean, no. you're fucking crazy? Yeah. Uh, or no, actually, the ultimate the ultimate cuck move would be Casey DeSantis. Like, yeah, pick her. Yeah, that would that be, would she would probably be a better vice president, if I'm being honest. Like, she yeah, would probably be better at doing the job than yeah. uh, than, than Nunez. The only thing I had, I I was I, I had it written out, um, but I kind of just, like, slid by it. Um, Trump you know, got very mad, obviously, and was like, under no circumstances should anyone be cutting Social Security, Medicare. Right before COVID, he was announced, like, they asked him on both Fox and CNBC, hey, the deficit's ballooned under your administration. Are you going to be doing any entitlement cuts to, like, lower the deficit? He was like, oh, yeah. And then just said, oh, I didn't say that afterwards. Like, because he knows it's unpopular. And he knows the only reason he's getting asked that question is because Mitch McConnell wants it. And he doesn't want to have to deal with unpop- Mitch McConnell's unpopular positions. Because remember, he's only in this for, you know, riding the Clemson football team over for hamburgers. Yeah, the <laughs> like, boys. What, you think, yeah, you think he wants to cut Social Security? No, like, I don't think he cares. You think he cares? <laughs> the Las no Vegas way. Aces. Folks, the champions, WNBA. Women are so tall. Um, <laughs> that's a superpower that he has, that only he has. Yeah. Though. Like, right. nobody else can pull. Like, I've seen on social media... In right wing spaces, where Bill people, Clinton has it. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. Yeah, like where it just doesn't matter what they say. Where it's just like, don't... God, you should be in jail, but you're just <laughs> you're just still here. The one, the one issue that I keep seeing on social media is where they, um, you see right the the right wingers kind of or just MAGA, you know, generic MAGA people excusing him for being pro vaccine, which is hilarious because Donald Trump. If you listen, he's very pro-vaccine. He will go yeah. out there and say, like, you should get the vaccine. You should get the fucking, uh, you should get the uh, booster. And, like, the only, the only, like, that's the one litmus test where you can see that they're, like, willing to forgive him for that. And they're the like, I wish he would be better on vaccines, but you know what? He's still, he's still the main man. He's still the guy. So I have a lot of relatives um, and I had to hear a lot of their opinions uh, about COVID that were uh, upsetting to me. But also I see an opening for someone like a DeSantis uh, on not just the vaccines, um, but also Fauci. Because Trump was having yep. a lot of Why didn't uh, you fire rally. him? Why didn't you, why fire, you him? fire him? You had all these rallies saying you wanted to. You didn't mm-hmm. have any rallies when you before you fired Bannon. You just fired him. You didn't have any rallies when we got rid of Omarosa. You just fired him. John Bolton, you just fired. All these people you just fired. Fauci's the one guy that your whole base thinks was committing the crime of the century with Bill Gates and Xi Jinping to put <laughs> microchips into people's bloodstream. And you're telling me you just let him walk all over you? With his his master plan in broad daylight, so obvious that our most illustrious DIY DIY Facebook documentarians could see it, but the president of the United States can't, and it's happening right under his nose. You should have stopped him, Mr. President. He worked for you. You should have apprehended him. You should have had him arrested. That's good. I mean, someone's going to ask him about it on that stage. Yeah. You said you wanted to fire him. Why didn't you? He's like, well, I needed a scapegoat. <laughs> I needed a guy to blame. What am I going to do? Get rid of him? That's another so superpower good. he has. That's another superpower gonna, yeah, he has where he could a, just say that. He yeah. could just say like, well, well, yeah, I didn't mean that. I was lying because I wanted to win. And people will be like, fuck yeah. yeah. And, and like, and no, Listen, they say, they say, keep your enemies close. 
they're closer than your friends. That's something they say. And I wanted to keep an eye on this guy. People will be like, yes, that's yeah, right. And like, what that's he said so is right. That's Sun Tzu, genius. I think. Yeah. That's genius. I think this also now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, T, what were you going to say? No, I just agree. <laughs> I, I, agree. <laughs> I don't think his base is going to give a shit at the end of the day. Not just, at all. I just think he's funny as hell. I They'll try to land some punches, but that's that's it. They're going to try and I think fail. So I, I guess I guess maybe I'm um, concocting this too much, like because the rumors of Scott again, our main subject for this episode, are rumors of the rumors of Rick Scott running for president. They they were they existed in 2022, but 2020 as well, not 2022. Um, but they uh, it, like nothing came from them, and now like similar quiet rumblings. It almost feels like 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 um, test balloons, right? We talk about test balloons where it's like, oh, how will people react to this? And like Chinese spy balloons, mm. <laughs> and it feels or or the poor like Rotarians that are like getting their uh, their their school project balloons shot down. F twenty two Raptor <laughs> shooting thirty million dollar missiles. At yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just I wonder, um, like sticking with the with the the Rick Scott, like how long is he in our life? Question, like how how, how like what can we but where does the Florida primary do we know yet where it lands in the calendar in 2024 is that set in stone or yeah it's 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 usually around like the 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 third or fourth week of August okay so very late it'll be in the same very late position we have have one of the latest primaries in the yeah yeah I I, I just had heard rumors about the, the dates being in flux but I didn't know if that affected Florida I think that had more to do with like Iowa being terrible at doing primaries but um, I think your only your best bet of getting rid of them is the GOP, whether it's Trump, we'll just say it's Trump, gives Rick Scott like a cabinet position and then he's out of there. Like that's yeah. I think you're the easiest glide like to getting him out in the short term. Yeah. And now Florida is one of those states where the calculus for that is like, oh, well, we can very easily get somebody else yeah and, just yeah, make him another. like secretary of scams and he's happy we've talked about this shit before yeah. though Tomas, you were like talking about it a second ago where it's like all this money a guy with this kind of money like why not just fucking enjoy life man i get that no. you know like trump is crazy rich and he, but he's like addicted to the limelight this guy clearly is not why not just be on that fucking yacht in sardinia or fucking wherever also, like when you have like like if I had that much money, like I would be like funding like senators. You know, yeah. like you're when you make when you're, like you're not the senator then. You're the guy that's like funding You're like, Peter Thiel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're like the guy that's like the senators calling for it's just pathetic. I mean, the thing is that like look, I, I work in politics, right? Um and I work a lot with 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 politicians and people that want to be politicians. And I'm not saying all of them because there's generally like some good people in the process in the system, but like most of these people are like broken. Like they're just people that just are are broken inside. They have like a deep hole inside of them Mm -hmm. that they need to fill by running for office, Mm -hmm. having a title and having the validation of that title when they interact with people. All these people turned out for me. I must be a good person. I'm the star. Yeah. Rick's got, doesn't just need the validation of just like being in control and funding and like you know exercising power he needs the adoration of being i am a u.s senator yeah. Yeah. like he's a broken man yeah and i feel like 
he it must be very frustrating because I can't imagine there being a lot of spaces left for him to go and get that adoration because it feels like the space on his side of the spectrum is taken up by like the the the, the spectrum for him the spectrum for any conservative in Florida is like you can be Donald Trump or you can be Ron DeSantis and you can be something in the middle but you get it, it's like it's hard to be David, Rick Scott David, David that's the saddest part about these people is that they're so broken that Rick Scott could become a US president and it's like that still will not fill that fill hole. hole because that's not like something that will self actualize you that's not going to fill the emotional need that you have yeah. like what's going to fill that need is like therapy and like self work and like self actual i'm not trying to be corny or cliche but like you need to do some yeah. real like investment in yourself to be able to overcome that like just becoming a US senator or a US president and just seeking the validation of just like you know like superficial like interactions with with masses of people that's not going to make you happy so rick scott is a man that ultimately will never be happy and that's why he's so angry all the time right like i mean you can tell the way he like talks to the media and he talks about his political opponents yeah he's like an angry nasty bitter guy he does hiss he literally hisses he's like he's a broken guy he's a fucking broken human being and and the, the, the sad part is He's a broken human being with a lot of money and who has become all of our problems yeah. because uh, he's, his, his trauma uh, is affecting all of us. Do you do the two of you remember his foot in the door to politics? This was before he announced that he was um, going to run for governor. It was right before. It was a year before. No, is this, this would have been 2009? 2009. He founded, uh, no. he founded an organization that was his first again this was his first foray into politics right. uh i believe it was called the uh conservatives for responsible health care oh, and boy. this I was this was the rejoinder to the loud voices the closest that this country ever came to getting something resembling single-payer health care at, at that moment um yeah. this was a rejoinder to that this was a a, a pushback right because and here comes this wildly successful and nobody bothered to scratch the surface on that wildly successful healthcare executive because he mm -hmm. did go on to run a whole but we, we kind of glossed over it but he ran like a weird like snake oil company after that where like, wildly successful healthcare executive is something that only exists in the united states right like, that's like that's that something i need you. listeners to know that's that exists because of how fucked up our system of healthcare is in the first place. Right. If there's if there's money pooling at the top like that, the system's bad. But again, this is you know going into our our DSA bag. But it's not going into healthcare by yeah. definition. It's going to his pockets anyway. Sorry. But I just wonder if those are the kind of things that a person like him, who has all the fucking money in the world, dedicates and gets like fulfilled. I guess. How does a lizard feel fulfilled? What, make, what like, makes a man like him happy? Yeah, like... If, attention, I guess. Yeah, attention like what the and, said, yeah. Yeah. Because he has money. It can't be money. If he... If he was a, you know, celebrities, they turn to drugs. Um, and then they turn to rehab. And then they turn to redemption tours and comeback albums and comeback movies. Do you think that he's um, just, like, sitting in a mansion with, like, a needle that's filled with, like, long hospital wait times? Like, it, it feels like they're... Like, 
I don't know what makes this guy fucking happy. Because like, he's like, I, I, mean, I, don't think, I mean, I don't think he knows David. Like, yeah. <laughs> like clearly, like, like he's here to be here. He's like, well, I'm a senator, so you know, I'm gonna be the senator now. But I, does it make him happy? I doubt it. Again, I don't know him. I don't want to. Um, I mean, like, like okay. Here is the proof that he's not happy being a U.S. senator. Again, this is a guy that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He could be happy with his hundreds of millions of dollars. He could be happy being a GOP mega donor. Yeah. All the shots. He decides to run for governor after being governor. You already you have you're a twice elected governor. You could be like a a a statement in the GOP party as a like GOP mega donor, multimillionaire, twice elected governor. You run for U.S. Senate. You know what I mean? One of the most like after being an executive of a state, and then you're a U.S. senator. And you run to be the National Republican Senatorial Committee chair. That's such bitch work. It's just like he's obsessed with being relevant, right? He's obsessed with the title. He's obsessed right. with power. He's obsessed with validation. He's obsessed with being the biggest dick in the room. It's so transparent. You know what I mean? The, the, but I don't think he's wrong. Like the two people that come to mind in conservative land who went the opposite route were like Jim DeMint and Sarah Palin, who literally were like, I'm abandoning my post to like cash in basically either at like Heritage Foundation or on like TLC as a reality show or, you know, whatever else. You know, I, I've, got, I've got one more analog there, Jer. Like you right. just kind of jogged my mind of it, but Jim Justice in West Virginia, who oh, yeah. remember he kind of, he abandoned his post in a weird way. He switched parties. Right. Where he, I, I believe he was a Republican. He changed to Democrat. Democrat and then back to and Republican. And then back to Republican. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and, and again, insanely rich guy, billionaire. Like, But he's in office. He's in office. He's the governor of the state. Like, yeah. He gets, when something happens, he, I mean, I remember he, they, they, what was it they said? Like, when they showed me the COVID data, I peed in my pants <laughs> or something like that. Like, literally a quote. Literally, like, in the AP. Like, I'm not exaggerating. I peed in my pants. You can Google Jim Justice P. Pants. It'll come up. Um, but he's in office. He knows that, like, when stuff happens, journalists need to talk to politicians who are going to respond to what's happening, and that means they're going to call me, and that means my phone will always be ringing. I don't know that Sarah Palin's phone or Jim DeMint's phone, I don't know that they ring as much as when they were in office. I don't think anyone's calling them up to see what they think about things. So I, I do think Tomas is right. The whole point of running is for the relevance, is to stay relevant and keep your phone hot. Um, you could sell out, but he doesn't need to sell because he already has money. I don't know. Have you guys so seen why, the, the pictures of Sarah Palin lately? She's looking pretty hot. I mean, yeah, but the, no one's calling the... her. No one's calling her to say, "Hey, what do you think of the balloon?" Like, you know, <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine in the 2010s if there was the, a, a spy balloon flying over Alaska and she was still the governor? Can you imagine? She'd be so happy. <laughs> She'd be, She'd be loving like, it. I'm, 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 I'm going to be eaten tonight. Like this is, this is awesome. Podcasters is across the world would have now. Hours you know, she quit. Content. Did a reality show. Did the Dancing with the Stars with um, what was the daughter's? I forget who it was, but you know, she cashed out. But she and was supposed no one... to be. She was supposed to be a media uh, like a. Um... By the way, uh, Sarah Palin, it bears noting, uh, does have a Miami connection, a Florida connection, because she fucked uh, Glenn Rice when she was in college. But um, oh, hey, I did too. <laughs> 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 I 
but like she was supposed to be like a big national she was supposed to be like a like a laura ingram right like that's what they had groomed her for in like 2016 or 2015 or something like they would they and then they realized she just constitutionally wasn't capable of being that interesting or i'm saying i, I think Tomas on to something when he says you run for office to stay relevant and yeah. you stay in office to stay relevant like you know if he if he left office no one would care about him anymore and if you want to be cared about that's why you stay but- I disagree with that, though. I mean, it would, yeah. but like Rick, Rick Scott is worth millions of dollars, so his right. phone, oh, like he would still be relevant in like political power circles, but he, but he wouldn't have like the media attention. Right, like, exactly, which is what he wants. He, he would have to be a behind the scenes guy. Yeah. Right. That's stupid. Like th- that's not real power. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just dumb. it's dumb, dumb power. It's yeah, right. It's it's dumb guy power. Um, <laughs> I have to tell you guys this story because we I brought up Jim Justice. Have either of you ever been to West Virginia or no? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been there. Have no. you have, have you ever been to Greenbrier? No. Okay. So Greenbrier on the southern end of West Virginia, the southern like, you know, little nodule that it has. Uh, I went there once for a client uh, visit for a business trip. And um, you actually have to land in Norfolk, Virginia. And um, I'm sorry, Roanoke. You have to land in Roanoke and, and drive there like three hours. There's like no airport anywhere near there. And... It's the only like luxury resort in West Virginia. It's owned by Jim Justice, and um, and when you get there, uh, it is bar- like Epstein Island levels of weird and creepy. It like oh, the God. pastel colorings, the interiors, the dead eyes on all of the employees, and like the slack jaws. It's the weirdest fucking place to be. But the one thing I just always love. Are you? Loved are you, are you- Saying this from experience? Yes, I went there. I went. I stayed two nights there. It was horrifying, <laughs> and uh, and like and um and the, the 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 child sacrifice rituals like mid, not even very good. Um, so, but we 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 uh, we pull up to the front where the valet is, and there's one prominent parking space that's basically double parking spaces, and it was empty at this time. But it's like literally you, you step out of the car and you walk straight in, right? It's like the prime number one um, parking space. And it has a big sign on it that just says Big Jim. It's, it's his parking space. And I was like, is that his? And I had to Google and I was like, he Jim, the fucking governor owns. This is like out of, again, like a fucking Elmore Leonard novel or some shit. This is like, I, I did not know that that's actually the way. I mean, and. Rick Scott yeah, could just be that guy. He could be that guy. He could just, you know, be rich with, with, with own like the richest guy. If he hadn't fucked up HCA, he could be the richest guy in Nashville, right? No, the richest guy in Tennessee right now. But instead, it was the other guy. And, and it's like, what have you fucking done, man? What have you done? Made everyone's life shittier. Well, I'll tell you what. He'll definitely won't be U.S. president. That's a, <laughs> no. That's a, a bet I'm willing to make. That's all for this episode of Why Are We Like This? Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at wawlt.com. Follow us on Twitter at Walt Show and on TikTok at Walt Show. You can also email us at walt at allpointswest.net. Until next time, this was Why Are We Like This? Walt Mafia Rising.